ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Lunchtime Special Podcast. A show about life, death and everything in between. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello fellow lunchers. On this week's episode, our good friend Atish will take us on a journey. A journey into abstraction and absolute perception. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. All right. So the story dates back to uh, 3,000 or maybe more than that years old, when in a family somewhere in the continent in India, they had a practice to send their kids to understand and to comprehend the knowledge of absolute perception. At that time, the custom was that the highest achievable thing in this life is the state of absolute perception. And the most important question was, what is that which once known, there is nothing left unanswered? So this boy started his journey to uh, this school where he studied all these whatever, all these knowledges which was supposed to take him to the state of absolute perception and he returned back happily to his parents. His father, he was a very known scholar and uh, real kind of driven by realization, driven by experience and not by theory. So he thought of kind of assessing positively his son, saying that how much he evolved or grown. So he asked him, what is the purpose of your life? So the boy replied, well, now I've got all the knowledge of these books. I'm going to work for the king because I have got all this knowledge of the books. I'm kind of one of the most known persons in society now. His father, who was smiling within, seeing his ego, his son's ego coming out of this answer, asked him, are you in the state of absolute perception? So the son said, uh, as far as I understand your question, father, I can answer you. And he recited few verses. He recited few answers. At that time, the language was Sanskrit. So he was answering his father in Sanskrit. The absolute perception is the one which is once known. Nothing is left unknown. So his father again asked, are you in the state of this clarity that there is nothing left to you unknown? This is stuck to the son. The son realized the depth of the question coming from the father and he humbled. He said to his father, no father, I am not in that state. My perception, my cognitive abilities, they are not in that state that I see everything clear. Please help me. His father smiled and he said, it's all right. It's it's beautiful that you are seeing it. Let's go for a walk. They went for a walk in the garden and then the father indicated the house of the bees, the honey making place. I mean, He indicated his son, can you see the the hard work of those bees there? He said, yes, I can see. He said, you know the outcome of this hard work that you get to test, that delicious, delicate and qualitative honey? He said, yes. The father asked, do you know how does this form? So the son replied, yep, the bees, they wander around. They go from this flower to that flower, different varieties of flower and places from where they can actually pick up this element which they bring in into their house and it gets processed in due to certain intelligence and it becomes honey. Then father said, all right. So my question to you, 
Now I'm giving you a bit of this honey, which is being formed here. Can you tell me that what are the various sources from where the raw material was collected from? So the son replied, after thinking a bit, no, I cannot, because it is no more in form of that previous state. It has transformed into some other entity, which has its own property and behavior. I cannot re reverse engineer or reverse decompose and tell you what are the different flowers from where the juice was collected, the, those raw material was collected. Then the father replied, in the same way, whatever you see as diverse or different, it stays in the state of difference or diversity till the perception reaches to the state of honey. So the state of absolute perception or the path of transitioning through this abstraction is that you are reaching to a state where no, you are no more in duality. The differences all become one because your perception is perceiving them as one. So your perception, no matter what have you been studying, experimenting, validating, as long as you are in the state of differentiating the objects and their underlying intelligences, your perception is still in transition. So the abstraction theory here is that looking at a bit of honey, you cannot see how many flowers they have participated in this play, can you? So when you look at any entity, the degree of abstractions, the degree of stakeholders in other language, like the degree of elements who have been participating in space and time is beyond your cognitive ability and perception. This was just a fine example of what abstraction is. Now I'm throwing it up to the jury to churn in their consciousness, to churn in their space of mind and intellect and provide some insights that how this abstraction is playing in each second, in each microsecond, in all realms, in time and space, and transforming from one form of intelligence to the other form of intelligence. And the way it is progressing is that it is actually from diversity, it is moving towards oneness. For example, take example of rivers. No matter from where it is flowing, it is entering into the ocean. If I give you the water of ocean and ask you, tell me what rivers are actually participating in this water. It's, it's, you cannot, you cannot explain it. You cannot tell it. So these are the certain examples, which kind of tells us from the end point, the way abstraction force is playing backward and which we are not capable of saying. So here is, board is yours. Well, that reminds me of the, the saying that you can't step into the same river twice because, uh, its state is always in flux and it's the combination of, as you said, of multiple sources and forming into one thing, but in itself, it's never a permanent, uh, solidified, solid object. It's a river. It's constantly in flow. The other interesting that reminds me of is that the idea that it's almost like one plus one still equals one. So you have two things and combine them and you get one entity, one concept, one idea, but you don't actually then perceive the, the individual constituents that actually form that one thing. Almost like everything that we see has multiple facets 
and multiple layers of depth, but we don't have the perception to see those layers of depth anymore because they're actually either being removed in the combining or we just don't have the, the information, the knowledge, the wisdom, the, intel- the technology to see that, that level of abstraction. I think also the fact that the level of technology that we have been applying at this state of time is something that has entrapped us into a certain state of consciousness that is making sure that we are constantly in that sort of cycle and makes us not go back into the flower and see what it is. There's there's that aspect that we need to be focusing a lot more on. I think the fact that the technology in the area plays a crucial role in human's life, but technology in general, it's a trap in a way that is making you go back into a cycle which is a never a never ending cycle. So there's that in the back of our mind, we always have that there is something better which we need to always focus on. Yeah, I think though, uh, actually, our biology is against us in this particular scenario because when, whenever we look at something, we don't actually see what it is, is essentially what you're saying. Our brain actually does that on purpose because our brain understands that we can't consume the entirety of what we're seeing. So it fills in the blanks. For example, we, everyone has a blind spot. Now, our brain is actually coloring that blind spot in instead of trying to draw in all of the, the data around it. And even when you're reading a book or anything, you read a sentence, you're not actually reading the entire sentence. You're probably reading about five words out of ten, and your brain is just plunking in what it thinks or expects the, the rest of it to be. Now, what you're talking about here, uh, whether our biology is fighting against it for a reason, uh, I'm not sure. Whether we should be trying to retrain our brains, I'm also not sure because uh, the idea of me looking at a tish and understanding every single molecular component that built him and how that is constantly shifting, I think that our be very surprised if our brains could handle that much data at one point. Um, not to mention everything in, and that's just looking at a tissue. Like if you took in your entire field of vision, plus your, your hearing, plus senses of touch and taste, that amount of raw data would be phenomenal. And yeah. the amount of energy that's going to get pumped into the brain to grab that awareness, certain certain individuals will not be able to grasp that straight away. Definitely not be able to grasp it, that's for sure. When you look at me, you say, Atish, I am possibly carrying the DNA of the creation of the universe from an inanimate object to the first cell creature to the two cell and so on and so forth. I'm actually a representation of the evolution of the life. But is it comprehensible? Is it something which human mind or human perception is able to comprehend? You would have to be able to see space and time simultaneously across the entire universe. So it would be a single perception, it would be every perception, every idea, every thought, every second that's ever ticked by from Big Bang or whatever, or however this universe started to now. And I should be able to see the whole, the entire chain of events. The idea of Big Bang is a good one to uh, put a spotlight on because we assume that the Big Bang happened once and it's going through, right? We we assume the Big Bang happened millions and millions of years ago, and we part of a, we are a byproduct of that. But 
what is there to say that it's not happening right now? Exactly. It's it's a thing that we shut ourselves off from most of the time. We don't want to be aware of the fact that there is a creation happening every moment. Mm-hmm. And it's something we always try to... Is the way it's perceived is because it's built in, in our biology for survival. We, we are always in there for survival. That That is nature playing its trick. But the thing is, we also need to know on top of survival, there's another aspect of ourselves which we have the potential to access all the time or we can decide to go just to the survival mode. There's those two aspects we always I'm guessing though that this is again a biological response to either us not being able to do this or the value of it not being strong enough that it overrides survival. So if you're busy looking at a tish and trying to figure out what his molecular structure is, you're probably not looking at the tiger behind you that's about to eat you, you know? So it's important to know as much as we can whether we should know everything and whether we should let it permeate through our day-to-day existence. That's a separate question. As a practitioner and someone that's actively uh, trying to achieve uh, this state, Atish, what is your views on this? I personally feel through progressive realizations that if we have got these instruments who are capable of knowing, then it is meant to know everything. These instruments, they are not barred till a level. Otherwise, we would not have reached to this technological age because we have been churning, we have been exploring, we have been progressing. That means we have this window open. It is up to us. We can know everything. So as I said, looking at me, I'm representing the highest state of abstraction of evolution. You look at me, you're seeing in the scale of time, the most recent state of the intelligences which which are supporting and sustaining life or evolution. So the play of abstraction is such that it lets your mind deal with the surface realities. Now there are certain forces behind, for example, you call it biological. Biological is again an abstraction representing certain intelligences taking care of your autonomous body system. So these forces which are playing on multiple layers, they are actually doing their job in a way that they are sustaining life, but to the mind, mind of humans, it is giving the surface level information to calculate, to comprehend, to make decisions. And most of us, most of us just dealing with the surface level informations. There's also one aspect I want to bring here. So let's say one realizes that there is this potential there, the creation is it. And one also realizes there's also the normal day-to-day survival mode. And isn't it amazing that you can switch from one to the other constantly? Is is one aspect where you can play around as a kid, go in with a fresh memory. So you, you hit the absolute and you come back. So you refreshed, you're cleaned, you come back. This is where the, the separation has to happen, where you have one, if you are focused on one area only, that is always going to cause issues. But if you realize that there is a potential out there that is always available, is flow on tap, that is available for you constantly. But the fact that you yourself is blocking that, tap and you're always able to go into that and come back again and not stay on there because it's not a state to be there all the time it is a state to be there when you want to be there refresh come back and then you've got a fresh view that's a it is a play of form a play of energy which is crucial for every human to have to reach that level and they already know it's part of their uh, part of their dna is already within them 
they can come through and they can go back in and play the game again. So basically what you're saying is to climb the golden chain, climb the, the stairway to heaven, reach, reach, reach Nirvana, come back. Bring, back the, bring back the fire in a Promethean style because if you leave, then you're gone, you're not physical anymore. And if you just stay here, you're as low as the worms and you're not really doing much of anything. So it's the journey is a part of ascending and descending to, or the inverse, descend. You know, if you have a, a more of an a underworld view on the universe, go descend, bring that, dig up the knowledge, dig yeah, up the gems, be, and bring them back up. Yeah. Um, because but, it's, uh, I want to bring Steve Jobs into this because he, he went through the journey. He went through the journey and came back. And he came back and he brought something back to humanity. And that's the key here. It's easy to say I reached and 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 I've already been there. It's more what can you bring back to humanity? What can you bring back that will help others reach that state as well? Because it's a play in form which we can only explain through words. Yeah, well, you mentioned, sorry, Steve Jobs. I mean, we could probably say the same thing about um, his... Maybe people, some people see him as his arch nemesis, Bill Gates. He's, I think, to my extent, he's gone beyond as well, and it's come back and has actually brought you know, stuff to humanity. I guess after he's left Microsoft, where he's you know, got the uh, his wife's Melinda, I think it is, Bill yeah, Melinda yeah. Gates Foundation, where they've, you know, given he's given away, I guess, two thirds of his wealth, if if we, you know, as we're led to believe. Like what, pretty much what you said with, with Steve Jobs, yeah, is that he's been to that state and he's brought back something to humanity. I guess we could probably say something similar about Bill Gates. Yeah, a lot of the uh, people in Silicon Valley these days, they have experimented this and they know this, they've tried it, and there's different avenues of reaching this state. It is not. Uh, it could be discipline, it could be through discipline, or it could be through substance, it could be through any ways of form, but it's the underlying factor is the skill that you bring in, the application you're bringing back to the humanity because it's something you would do on a day-to-day basis and that will bring you back to that state and it will keep bringing you back to that state we we need to actually we need to understand here that there is a very fine difference between technology application and the play of intelligences on different levels which is has something to do with abstraction technology and application is not new to humanity if you look at look back and the oldest civilizations, the applications and technologies they were using. I think I was talking to Ian about it, that the pyramids, they were doing certain research that what if they try to replicate pyramids today? They are saying that we are not capable of doing it in maybe 100 years, because we even with the current resources available in technology and applications, we cannot replicate it. I mean, Ian can put it more light on it. But what I'm trying to say here is, the intelligence for an external application is something is a subject of discipline or exercise driven by certain requirements or necessity abstraction is which covers everything external intelligence is just a bit of it for example you are not having access to your breathing system you cannot influence it okay it is running on its own intelligences your digestion your metabolism it's working on its own every second whatever you are eating it is being transformed into blood bone bone marrow skin and all those cellular 
structure in your body, what intelligence is actually doing it for you? Are you having access to that? But your body is actually structured in a certain gravitation and all these different elements in your bodies, they are constantly being formed. But that intelligence is working without your awareness. So no laboratory can do that on this earth or haven't been able to. So that abstraction is something very beyond. Applications and technologies, they are something, just a tiny bit of it. So there's two points I want to make. So something in relation to technology. Technology is almost the enemy of abstraction, if you really think about it. So you're talking about your example of us not being able to consciously breathe. Uh, well, we can consciously breathe, but it happens as an unconscious, unconscious process. But then you also made the statement that we can't replicate that. We actually can. We have a machine that can breathe for you if you need it to. What we can't replicate is the exact same step-by-step process that the biological uh, process is. So there's an uh, inherent underlying uh, assumption that the intelligence that's been through the universe for however long, call it the force or whatever you want to call it, that is inherently the right way. And if we try and do it in any other way, we're actually fighting against intelligence and abstraction. If that's the case, then actually people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, they're actually the enemy of um, our superception because they are reducing it. Uh, I mean, I would, I mean, I would clarify my point that it has nothing to do with fight. It has nothing to do with the comparison. What all I'm referring towards is that you know awareness that it exists. All what is happening in terms of application technology, it's all good. But at the same time, all these intelligences, they are actually transitioning, floating around. We are getting a bit of it and we are developing our applications from, look at the cars. We copied our eyes. Okay, let's put two lights because our eyes are like this. Let's have gears. Let's have mobile. Mobile, how it works? It works the way, okay, we are conscious. We have our sensory perceptions. Okay, let's replicate things in a way. We are learning from the existing intelligences only. All the applications which you see around, whether in medical field or in transportation, it is a copy of existing intelligences. Two light fixes, two sides to the car. Come on in. Aren't there two light fixes, two sides to the car? I mean, that is definitely a right uh, notion or right reason. But at the same time, we cannot, I mean, it's not about denying at all, because whatever we are, whatever we have been evolving into, we have been observing it first. That's a good point, because I want to touch briefly on this. So the ideas and technologies that we have at the moment, what is there to say that these haven't been recycled from the past? Well, they all have to stem from a, an existing idea that gets built upon. You build, you stand on the, the, the shoulders of giants. So we, we don't spontaneously come up with iPhones. It was a development and it, it was literally, you know, someone actually was a bit of Bell who created the first telephone. So you got the first telephone, which is literally some old school copper wires and blah, blah, blah. Now we've got lithium batteries in a, with a, in a computer that we call a telephone, like a mobile phone. So there's, it's always this constant evolution. When it comes to, say, like a car's headlights, you can say the application design is a reflection of the way we perceive the world. So oddly enough, yes, there's the left and right side of a car, but why don't we put the third one in the middle? We could have three headlights on the car, we could, have, we could have any, like there's no limitation, but you know, we kind of feel comfortable with two. There's a sort of parallel um, relationship that we want to see things which actually reflect us back in the mirror. 
there's no reason why we can't always try and achieve, um, you know, graft extra limbs to our, our bodies. But we are designed, our brains are designed really to have the, lim the limbs that we have. Let's, uh, so to continue on my point with in regards to finding the intelligences, at some point there will probably be technology that can enable us to never need to breathe again or never need to eat again and completely cutting out that process from our inherent need to survive. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is we're we giving up knowledge in some ways by removing that intelligent force, but perhaps the intelligent force was wrong to begin with. Why make the requirement to breathe? Why make the requirement to sleep? Why make the requirement to eat? What makes this intelligence so intelligent that it places these requirements and restrictions on us why can't we fly? Why can't we have four arms? Why can't we like three lights on a car? Like there's, it's just this underlying assumption that the intelligence knows what it's doing. And we've, we've already spoken about this a little bit in our first episode about the, the twins with uh, different personalities, but same DNA. Watch it again, guys. <laughs> um, but, but is the intelligence intelligent? Are we just calling it intelligent because we don't understand it? There's, I think it was Freud, and the way in psychology, the way it's treated, the intelligent is as blind and is libido, right? It's more, it's treated as blind lust. That's that's the thing where I think we need to make the distinction because it, are we clearly saying that intelligence don't know what it's doing, or are we saying it it knows what it's doing and it's playing a game in itself? I, okay, I take it a bit, I mean, I just take it to in other perspective. So touching the point of abstraction, for example, you're meeting somebody and he's very angry on you. Okay, it can be your friend, colleague or family member or even a stranger on the road. And he he's abusing you now. And you, the your impression you get is just as stupid. And you, you feel like being kind of nervous and angry also that why he's abusing me or why she's abusing me, right? However... You do not know what caused him to reach to that state. Possibly, he has been suffering from anxiety and nervousness and not able to deal with himself or herself for the months. The depression or stress are different reasons in the workplace where she has been or he has been being kind of, you know, dominated or cornered. And that tiny, tiny bit over the period of days turned his mental state or her mental state into this position that he or she just just broke, just exploded for a simple thing and for you you from that level of abstraction you will possibly label it he or she is stupid doesn't know he's not like he's not having common sense or something but we are not seeing those transitioning into his or her personality what turned him or her into because your reply in that your reply in that instance saying he him or her to be a stupid is not going to help him or her it is going to deteriorate the situation because you are just adding one more bit in the ocean what she or he has been accumulating and we are dealing with that abstraction okay but what does it have to do with technology <laughs> well it's interesting actually the connection this is actually quite a thing about there's a connection here if we get the idea of we find tech which removes the need for us to eat sleep revamp right now that would have to be us assuming that we know all there is to know about eating sleeping and breathing and that by removing it we should be good as gold like by getting rid of these things humans are so much better that's what the arrogance of saying that we know all the reasons for them in the first place and that's where 
the intelligence or the the evolution or the journey that's led us to our current form before we go to potentially another form as much as it, it could be purely dumb luck that we've evolved but it works and we it, it's easier for us to go but hey it's probably thick it's probably the intelligence there is no intelligence it's just total randomness so we can throw in our randomness it will just this negate world hunger by stopping everyone from eating and all of a sudden you but we don't know what the consequences of, of that are we don't because we, we again we don't have absolute perception we can't see forward in time we can't see back far enough to know why we even started like this in the first place so we have this we have got this this mirage that we're living in right now this illusion and we think i think we've got all the, all, all the boxes ticked you probably haven't because there's always the fun fact you know you like you know the, you know there's a mirage, there's illusion, but yet you want to make it real, you want to make it serious. That that attitude is much more, I reckon, more fun <laughs> rather than knowing the other way around. Yeah. Saying, oh, this is serious, but it may not be serious. That, that, that switch is better. I mean, whatever you're dealing with, it is all relative data around you. For example, uh, you're saying, oh, it's a good friend. But that is also a relative data. Till something ugly turns up and you part your ways. So whatever you're dealing with in your work, in your profile, in your professional career, in your health, it's all based on relativity. And it's, I mean, what's wrong is saying that, okay, it's all happening, we are making decisions, this and that. We are actually not making decisions. We are just selecting choices. That's still a decision. It's right? a decision, though. <laughs> I mean, we are not actually, I mean, yeah, in a way, definitely, but we are not putting the, the stakes. We are not having, we are not defining the whole game. We are just play, playing a tiny bit here and we are thinking we are making decisions definitely on a level that is also a degree of abstraction representing, okay, you take this 0.0000000000 times or maybe 5,000 times and that's it. you got to do decisions. Yeah, but then I guess this is where Saranga is coming from. What gives us the right to say that we should control the game? And this is what Spira is saying. Who's to say we are controlling the game even if we do that? If we replace every function, who's to say that if we free up one area, we will have a new area? So if we get technology to replace how we breathe, how we pump blood to our body, who's to say that, you know, stopping that from happening naturally will mean that we've got space to sort of reassert or reserve it somewhere else? Maybe breathing is a poor example. I mean, I mean like, if you, if you wanted to, to take away your eyesight, you could, but you couldn't necessarily say, I'm going to take away my eyesight so I can have the ability to fly. Like, it doesn't mm. work that way. No, but you could take away your need to breathe and therefore... You could go underwater without fear of drowning or go into space if we take the, away the, the need for warmth or, you know, whatever whatever we want to use as an example. There are practical applications and but back to the point uh, before about whether we should know everything and then um, whether it's <laughs> appropriate for people to know everything. Because we'll never know everything, it means we shouldn't stop. Though, because we, we've still got to go, we've got to step in. Yeah, we've got to step into the ring and go for it anyway. Uh, which exactly. Sure when we go back to Steve Jobs, he created a technology that allowed us to communicate across the planet. Now, that's not a natural <laughs> biology. This is exactly what I'm saying about removing the ability to breathe. We've actually given the, the ability to speak across half a globe. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a fight against attraction because that's not what the intelligence is originally de designed for us. 
Now, that's a practical application. Like, we can fly across the world because we make these metal planes that take us to the other side of the planet. That's and not natural. that then brings us back to the perception. So we're perceiving ourselves as flying over. Well, so I'm still <laughs> limited by human perception. Okay, all right. There's also one thing I want to finish up with. Right, okay. I mean, I will put, put, I'll say it after Suranga is done, but I, I, I'll talk to Ian on this. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. Stephen Hawking, so he wrote a book with a blink. Is it, it's more the blink of an eye, right? Yeah. He wrote yeah. a book with a blink of an eye. That's a classic example of how much we have on the decision-making process, right? If you take that analogy, right, because the role we have in this natural process is that much. With the blink of an eye, you just switch directions. That's all you can do. And if you have that perception in our uh, understanding, that's perfect, I reckon. So, yeah. Okay, Suranga, let's let's take it back to the Ian, okay? <laughs> so, so, no doubt, right. So, all these applications you're looking at, for example, our flight flights, our transportation capabilities, the scientists, they have been studying the, the birds, the different different birds and that is how they are replicating their different different they are for example there is hummingbird right she or it uh, kind of makes this um, uh, kind of floats its wings in a second 300 to 400 times and they are actually in in usa they are trying to replicate this intelligence which is already in place to develop such an aircraft which can can play can can copy replicate that degree of precision so the point is that whatever you're learning from whatever applications you're creating at the end you're referring to an intelligence which is already in place in the nature so i mean this is the point steve jobs did great there are a lot of great people in different different nations and cultures they have been developing different, different applications and definitely talking to the, across the globe is a great achievement for humanity and that is definitely against or maybe banned upon existing intelligence in the nature for example we are actually utilizing the the waves we are you're utilizing the mediums which is already in existence that is also an expression of an abstraction of a certain intelligence so at the end that's great that human mind is walking transitioning and kind of climbing up ladders in this intelligence and its transition at the end you are banking upon what is in existence and that is a form of abstraction and form of intelligence which is in play so i there is definitely i mean that i would like to clarify it there is no fight it's all great however for me the fascinating thing is how much access we have a child gets birth its limbs they forms in the womb of the mother an intelligence which is actually doing it the mother is unknown to it nobody is aware of it people can see in city scan and ultrasounds but the transition that intelligence is which is forming that body it is it is a form of abstraction which is not accessible mysticism or metaphysics come in in play because you, once you get to a point where we can't see it with our own eyes can't measure it then you have to attach a, a, a myth or a metaphor or something which is is abstract in itself because it's, it's the only term you can then use to describe something so for example when it comes to uh say childbirth or just life in general like things growing and multiplying now you could you could look at the biological level to a certain point but we don't know how it starts we can't kick aside so we can't type in some some code on a screen all of a sudden plants start growing real plants 
there's a whole bunch of things going on beyond the scenes which we, we do not understand. But then on a metaphysical side or a spiritual or mystical side, you could say, well, yeah, that's where gods come in, demons come in, spirits come in, because they are the the almost the the representation of a force or a thing which we can't explain with words and actual physical objects. It's kind of their representation of abstraction. Yeah, they are exactly. They are the, the personification and anthropomorphizing <laughs> of of an abstraction into something that looks like, okay, well, God of Thunder. God of <laughs> yeah, Thor is God of Thunder. Yeah, if it's easy to comprehend, then it's all right. Then, yeah, then that's, that's, an but then, that's the concept of magic. Back in, uh, you know, 1,200 years ago, uh, simple alchemy was considered magic it, because people didn't understand it, you know? It was fierce. So, as well. <laughs> well, the religious organisations in that time yeah. as well. Well, going back even further, women knowing things was considered witchery. <laughs> How dare they? Sorry, guys, I think we've got um, it's, uh, we've got some really good ideas, but it's uh, yeah, coming up to the end of the program. Yeah, so, anyone wants to? So, wrap it up. It's perfectly fine. So, float your mind around this abstraction and its multiple plays and give yourself a shot and make yourself churn and get back to us. Maybe write us on the platform we are having uh, open in the different social channels. And technologies created by humans. created by humans. <laughs> <laughs> Representation of an abstraction. And will be great to, it will be great to hear you guys. You have been listening to the Lunchtime Special Podcast. Subscribe and like us on iTunes, CastBox, Spreaker and SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Or, visit us at lunchtimespecialpodcast.com. Until next time.